this is Mick Tully and you're listening to Mixed Martial Arts. Normally, John, I am really, really on the ball, but we have just finished six days of just awesomeness, right? And I'm now speaking to my uh, my current landlord. <laughs> my current landlord, dear friend, uh, fellow martial artist, and just all-round great guy, the one and only Mr. John Boulay. Thanks for chatting, John. How are you? you? Good? Yeah, I'm great. When did you start training? Uh, 2001. Right. 2001 at Rick's, Rick Faye's in KG here in Minneapolis. And And that was it? That was, yeah, nothing nothing before that. You know, tons of sports and athletics and stuff throughout my life early starting at, you know, little kid, but never did any martial arts before that. So that's been, you know, 15 years now. Yeah. But, you know, I was 25 when I started. Really? You're one of the first guys I actually met when I first came over and, you know, you're really good to me. Uh, you continue to be good to me. I don't know if it's actually open to the public, but John and Amy's hotel is by far one of the <laughs> best places to stay I know. So I don't know if you... Is it a seasonal thing? You just let people stay when... If and when is it, or is it open? Are you going to put it up on the internet? No, it's not on the internet yet, but what I think we'll do is we'll start Yelp, and you can be the first review on Yelp. Oh, I'm there, right. I'm there. It'll yeah. be a five-star job, it'll be a five-star <laughs> job. So what what was it that drew you to martial arts? I think I always had an interest in it, but I never really followed through with it. What actually got me in the door the first time is a friend of mine who lived in, he's either in LA or San Francisco, but he was just here for the weekend. And we had a mutual friend. Uh, he's like, oh, just go check it out. I'm like, all right, I'll go check it out. You know, I'm up for anything. Yeah. He went back to LA like two days later and I just stuck around. They haven't gotten rid of me yet, so <laughs> still there. And, and what was it? Was it, was it for self-defense or what, no, what it was did just, you want? It was just sort of, um, like I said, I've always done athletics and I just wanted to do something athletic. You know, I was tired of going to the gym and just doing my own thing because, you know, at that age you're not doing team sports in high school anymore, so you got that sort of time where you're like just yeah. looking for something else to do that's more engaging and interesting than what I was doing at the time yeah yeah because I called you Captain America but you say you're actually I think I'm Private America Private America maybe Corporal maybe Corporal at best (laughs) (laughs) have you always lifted weights as well yeah that started in high school but you know I was never really that big you know I was 170 pounds in high school and and a lot up until just a few years ago yeah but because I remember you not being this big no you know what what spurred you into going into that and don't say it was Mike Duffy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think there's just always a challenge. I like looking for challenges and, and trying to do what I can to get there. And that was just one of the things I'm like, I've always liked to lift and like to work out. And uh, I'm like, well, let's just see what, how this goes. Yeah. And just, you know, like everything else, you, you sort of read about it and try to figure out how the best way to do it and eating and dieting and nutrition and all these things. And bear, bear in mind, it, it's a loaded question because I've just spent a week with you and I don't think I've ate this well in a long time. Even though we, yeah, we've went out at night and we've had some, uh, yeah, some questionable choices after a couple of beers. But, you, you know, you do eat well. So do you reckon nutrition is a huge part of, you know, if you, if you want that, not just the overall look, but to be, you know, physically healthy, how much do you think diet is? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Um, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's just as important or as important as any exercise that you're doing. What's the saying? You are what you eat. Yeah. And I, I believe that totally. I mean, you know, if you're, if all you're going to eat is 
and I know you're feeling sad about the Twinkie thing. Yeah, it's killing me. (laughs) Vegetarianism sucks. Kids, if anyone ever talks you into becoming a vegetarian, don't take it. No, but you know, you eat, you do eat well. As a man of more advancing years like myself, Mm -hmm. how important do you think that is? Oh, it's huge. I mean, I can't, I know that if I don't eat well, I don't feel good. You know, Mm. I just, I don't have the energy. I don't have, you know, I don't have the ambition to do a lot of stuff. So, I mean, if I'm eating well and I'm eating clean, then I, then I feel better. I mean, that just, that's just me. I can only speak for me, but it's, I'm not, uh, what's that guy? Jack LaLanne or anything. You know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Jack LaLanne. People, yeah. people who know me know me. I have a, I have a slight weakness for ice cream and things like that. So yes. It's like, you know, it's, yeah, ice cream every day. Every day. A little bit of ice cream every day is not bad. No, no, of course it isn't. A little bit of what you fancy is good for you. So, we're going to go back to when you first started at martial arts. Mm-hmm. What was it like walking in through the door? I remember it being hard, you know, like the, the conditioning part, yeah. like this, even though I was still only like 20, you know, and it worked out and was in good shape and like, it's hard, but it was fun. So it's like, it didn't really matter. Or how did I say this? It was, uh, it was difficult, but it was fun being difficult. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a really good challenge. The conditioning, you know, me and you both know, cause we've worked out together and there's nothing better. What was it like the first time you, you had to kick rounds on tie pads and stuff like that? I can't remember the first time, but, but you know, I felt like it was probably about a year before I felt like I sort of started to figure things out, you know, I mean, yeah. it was probably that long. And it was just, for me, it was just phase one for the first couple of years. You yeah. Know, me and Lane, me, you know, maybe a couple other classes here and there, but I just sort of lived in phase one. So for the, for the guys who don't know, give us a, just give us a, like an overview of what a fa- what the phase one program covers. Yeah, phase one is, is a great uh, class. So basically what it is, is it's, a, it's an hour and a half class and partner, you know, so if Mick and I were going to work out, we would uh, start out with doing uh, a weaponry, like a double stick or a single stick for the first part of the class, mm. and then go to a, um, a focus mitt. So we're either punching out or doing some panatuking or some trapping on the focus mitts, and then ending with um, uh, tie pads, you yeah. know, and doing a, t- a tie pad round. Um, you know, about 15 minutes each and then swapping out and then I'd hold for Mick and he'd do his thing and, you know, and that's, uh, you know, hitting a little bit of uh, three or four arts depending on what we're doing. And, uh, yeah. And how long is that? How long is that? That's a, an hour and a half. The whole class is an hour yeah. and a half. Yeah. yeah you yeah. see, this is, we've talked about this before because Rick Faye's like, I just can't, I can't see us being able to do it in under, under 90 minutes. No, I mean, not, not in that format. You have to yeah. take something out. Yeah, because that, that's exactly what I do. That's, uh, for any of the guys who are listening who've ever trained with me they know exactly how it works we start off with double stick or single stick mm-hmm. then we'll work and if we're not working on the focus mitts I'll be doing a jab catch round mm-hmm. or I'll be doing some sort of partner work skills work and then we finish on conditioning I want everybody to walk out there feeling on top of the world but on death's door at the same time <laughs> you know that's it so what's your favourite martial art or what's your fav- favourite as- aspect oh it's probably gone back and forth over the years you know I can't I couldn't ever probably not have Collie in the in the top you know whether yeah. it's whether it's the top at the moment you know I've gone through phases where Thai boxing was all I was doing yeah was I, doing, I remember it yeah doing just for training for different tests you know and uh, but it always kind of comes back to me for Collie so whether it's just you know walking around the house with a with a with a cane or with a single stick or whatever or in a class or whatever but yeah um, that's probably the, the, the default answer is Kali just because it always kind of comes back to that no matter yeah. if I diverge into certain areas or not but it, it helps with all other aspects it just helps with your movement your everyday movement mm-hmm. like Rick always says 
you know, you should spend 30, 30 minutes every day doing movement that's specific to whatever you're working on. I'm going to just get you on because we've just had, we had three days at Instructor Conference, which was basically drinking from the fire hose, as always, yeah. you know, it's like you, you, you try and just keep up. And then it, I spoke to a you know, mutual friend of ours today, Tim Tokas, and we were talking about how th- it didn't seem that brutal training with Guru Dan because we just had three years, uh, three days of Rick Fay mm-hmm. bombarding us with information. Right. First time you saw Guru Dan, what, what 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 did you think when you saw this guy? You know, the first probably year year and a half, I didn't see him when he was here. You yeah, know, when, I, when I first started going to the with Minnesota College Group, so I'd heard about him, of course. You know, and, and I wasn't I wasn't like you or like some of the other guys who, like I said, grew up with martial arts and. Just, you know, I knew who Bruce Lee was, but that's about it. Yeah. So just hearing about him, like, okay, that sounds interesting. And then and then you start seeing how they move. And I don't know what he would have been at that age. He's 80 now, so he must have been late 60s. And yeah. I thought it was amazing then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a young man then. Yeah. yeah. At 65, he was a young man, yeah. But, yeah, just going, wow, I was... I don't think I understood maybe a tenth of what he did. Um, yeah. And slowly over the years, it's getting better. But yeah. just that little little bits and pieces that you pick out, and you're like, oh, that was really cool. Yeah. That yeah. was really cool. Yeah. And he just, he, watching him this past weekend, I, I'm, I'm still in awe. I said to um, a friend, Lee Taylor, today, we were just talking to Danny Nosanto about... Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, mm-hmm. you know, Kobe Bryant. Denzel. And Denzel Washington. I wonder what our friends are doing. You know, so, yeah, I feel sorry for you guys if you haven't got in there. But he's, yeah, he's, he's a genius. He's, he's like, well, he's the nearest thing to a genius I've ever seen. You shocked me with a revelation today when we were talking in the kitchen earlier about carrying a weapon, yeah? yeah. I hope you don't mind me saying that. No, sorry. But you, you, you mentioned that we went out last night and we went for, went for dinner, that you were armed. And then you, I love the way that you said it. You just went, I, I, I've been armed all week. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I literally had no idea. And I, st- I have to admit, I do still sometimes forget you know mm-hmm. uh, about the gun culture in the UK in the US so uh, I just like your thoughts what do you think when you see like the British mentality towards this you know I guess I take it from the other side right it, it's sort of for me it's natural and you know for my friends it's, it's sort of what we do and what we're comfortable with so when I see the shock I, I sort of have to kind of put myself in, in your shoes and think okay well I don't know what the equivalent would be from you know coming on the other side, but for someone who doesn't isn't around it and isn't part of your daily life, I can I guess I can understand that. But. Well, you see, this is the thing. It's like you can't go over the fact that we're not allowed to carry a pocket knife. Right. But then when Rick Fay will say, you know, I've been in bar fights and I heard glasses, people were glassing each other in the face and throwing glasses, right. and I've seen the shock on your face when you when when you hear that. Yeah. So. Tell me your thoughts on the whole Second Amendment thing, because so many people are yeah against it, and then so many people are for it, and there's yeah I, I see valid arguments on both sides, right? Yeah. So you know, as a guy growing up in the Midwest mm-hmm. who carries a gun, tell me. I, I guess my thoughts on the Second Amendment are that you know it's there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it was written in there for a reason, a uh, very specific reason, and um, you know there are people that have. Um, concerns about gun culture or you know ways that are especially things that are happening in the news right now right so someone goes in and shoots up a a nightclub in orlando and and they want to bang guns well that's not that's not what you do that's that those two things are not 
related. You know, a lot of it is driven by politics, you yeah. know? So if someone comes out and says, I'm going to ban guns or I'm going to try to ban these type of guns and I'm going to put these type of laws in place, well, it's, maybe they believe it, but most of the time it's just pandering to, to for politics. That's yeah. my personal thought. Yeah. See, the thing is they're never going to be able to, you know, overturn the Second Amendment. They can try. I don't think it's going to happen. But what they can do is they can start whittling across or whittling down on ammunition types and this thing and that thing and the other thing and, and get it so that the amendment's still there but it's so hard to yeah it's almost void things. yeah yeah right. yeah but you see this is the thing it's like there's no shelf life on bullets i don't think anyway yeah, yeah so i think they'll, they'll yeah if you if you buy a ton of them they'll, they'll last for a few years right they'll last for, they won't last indefinitely but they'll last for long enough yeah 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 and you see this is the thing especially for the guys who are listening in the uk the Constitution was a pretty forward-thinking piece of paper. Yeah, I mean, if you if you read it, and I'm not saying that I'm not a, I'm not a constitutional scholar, <laughs> yeah, means, yeah. but and, and think about don't think about it in our times, but think about it in 17, you know, 1700, 76, yeah, or 76, 80. right? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, if you think about what you know, put yourself in that time period, right? Mm. You know, and just the minds of these people, you know, people who are in their mid-twenties writing this thing and 30 years old and it's just, I'm 40 now. Yeah, <laughs> I can't think yeah, of and I, what I, they went through. And it's yeah, but you see, this is, it's like uh, the Constitution, oh yeah, and I'm fascinated by it. I look at it and it's like, how forward thinking were, were these guys? Mm-hmm. There's a few things and you, what people don't ever understand is that, yeah, it's called an amendment for a reason because there, there is there is room for manoeuvre on, on this. Right. As society progresses or regresses in certain cases yeah right i've said this so many times where because the knee-jerk reaction is literally gun crime yeah just ban all guns and you're like but then people will shoot dab each other right yeah people yeah i do like what joe you know joe rogan you know i know he's the king of bro science and you know i'm after your crown joe i i want your job Okay, but when he said, you know, America's got a mental health problem dressed up as a gun problem, right. and but yeah. you see, what are you going to do if you uh, if you try and address the mental health problem? Then what you're doing is you're going to be shifting not the blame, but you're going to look at the reasons, and the reasons then aren't Smith and Wesson or Glock or right. Beretta. Right. It's you know, it, are we reaping? Are we reaping? The seeds that we sown by medicating children when they were younger, or you know, there's a ton of stuff going on. You know, this is right. it's crazy. Yeah, it's not black and white. I mean, there's there's so much there's so much going on. If you look at you know the theater shooting in Colorado from a few years ago, or you look yeah. at the, like I said, the the nightclub shooting, um, or you know, just uh, just this past week, there's one here in St. Cloud, Minnesota, which is about 45 minutes from Minneapolis. Our, crazy. Hour. Yeah. And uh, you know, they're all different reasons. There are all different things going on, and um, luckily, the one in St. Cloud, there was an off-duty cop yeah. with a handgun who took care of the the bad guy. Yeah. And otherwise, you know, I think you know it would have been worse. This is the thing. It's like I think it's oversimplifying it when people say, "Well, we're just buying handguns," right. because I, I have a little bit of a vested interest in this because yourself and Ty Campos and Ryan Reynolds and guys like this. I was shocked when I first met, when I first found out that you guys carried, but you're all very responsible men, and everybody I know who's a gun owner is responsible. I don't know any of these gangbangers that are turning it on its side and, yeah, doing Denzel Washington shit, you know what I mean? Right. I don't, all I see are are responsible people. 
Yeah. So, and yeah. I haven't, I've never heard of a, someone, for instance, who is a lifelong hunter or a carry permit holder who's out committing crimes with a gun. Yeah. You know, maybe it's happened, but you know, it's, it's, that's not the person you're looking for. The person you're looking for is the internet jihadist or someone like that or someone who's got other issues. But, but you remember, I can't remember what, what kid it was. it was. He went in and he basically went and shot up a school... He'd got into it. Was his mother's gun? That it, was the one out east. That was the um, one in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, and he had Asperger's. There was a ton of different stuff going on there, and they were like banning handguns. And I'm looking at it, banning firearms, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, has anyone thought about maybe speaking to his mother and trying to work out first of all why were these guns left lying around that he could get to right. secondly more importantly how did his behavior spiral to this point mm-hmm. well you know god forbid where was the parents mm-hmm. you know that's you know you have to you have to you have to look at it sometimes like that it's crazy and it's like you you said earlier it's the agenda you know th- this is the thing you know the the press want us to believe that it's, you know, I, whatever God we're supposed to be scared of this week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, is it another Timothy McVeigh type character? Is it a jihadist? Right. Is it just some angry kid who's been listening to too much My Chemical Romance? You know, I don't know. Yeah, and I, yeah I'm making a joke of it here, but yeah. you, you understand what I mean? It's right. like, okay, they play a big part in it, but unless you're able to ban them, you know, it's like, I'd like your thoughts on the teacher, uh, you know, where it's like, oh, I'm teachers now, and I'm thinking... I don't know, unless it's Sidney Poitier or Michelle Pfeiffer in you know, Dangerous Games that, you know, when she was a badass teacher. There's a lot of teachers I wouldn't trust with a handgun, would you? It's a good idea. I mean, you have to... Yeah, but I, flying, I, flying cars are a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> We're not quite there yet. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that one. It seems like I wouldn't want to just start giving guns to people that either aren't comfortable with them or don't have the training to deal with them. You know, and, and, and we kind of talked about this earlier when you and Lee and I were talking about it, and um, Lee was asking, cause obviously not having any familiarity with the oh. rules and, and how, how it works, and just sort of describing how the permit to carry works. You know, it's state to state, but here in Minnesota you take a class um, for a few hours and you learn some basic things and you pass a, a, a proficiency test, and then you can carry it. And it um, renews every... Four or five years, I think. Five years. Right. But I'm all for absolute mandatory training. I mean, if you're going to have the responsibility to protect others, you know, if, if a teacher were to have that responsibility and say, listen, the shit hits the fan here, this is you and this is your classroom and you seriously defend, I want to make sure that they know what they're doing. Yeah. Not they just they took a, a class four years ago and shot 50 rounds and okay, here you go. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it goes you, a lot farther. You can, you can hit a barn door now, yeah. Right. It's like anything else, right? It's training, and it's and it's uh, um, it's depreciable fast unless you're unless you're practicing. I, I tell you what, skills diminish very very quickly, right. very 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 quickly. Yeah, I've said this before, um, and yeah, smartphones have got a lot to answer for because there's a load of footage at the moment, and yeah, it's the whole. It's not not even the racing, you know, the the whole Black Lives Matter thing, and you know, there's it, it's people understand that it's. Right now, cops are getting a real bad rep, but it's a really bad time to be a cop in America, I think, right? I don't think it's ever been, because I don't think it's ever been as difficult, because you can have an event, it can be recorded on the smartphone, Mm -hmm. it can be chopped up a little bit, and I'm not, trust me, I'm not saying 
that you know there's not been like reprehensible accident by police officers right. but you know imagine it really is it's one of these times right we're in a very strange time in history where you can actually be going to work and you're not knowing if you're going to come back and people said that for years mm -hmm. but it never really was as bad as it's like now it is no. right and yeah do you think i've got my theory which is i think it's over equipped but under trained yeah. in a lot of, in a lot of circumstances and people that aren't psychologically uh, you know equipped to be police officers nine times out of ten y you know you have to be so many things to so many different people you know right so i'd just like to know your thoughts on this you know all different departments have different training but they're probably all under trained the things that i've listened to from different podcasts and talking about training and like that's I wouldn't say unanimous, but a lot of people talk about that. I mean, and I, from the little bit that I know, it, it makes sense to me. You know, talking to some law enforcement here in Minneapolis and just talking about what they, and hearing what they do. You know, mm. a couple of weeks a year, it's almost like a, here's a weekend at the spa. Go train. That's a joke, but I mean, yeah. it's um, it's a really hard job, and you have to be. You know, you don't know what you're getting into. And if you go, you know, you might be going to go uh, rescue a person from a domestic assault, you know, walking in the door and you don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden the guy comes around the corner with the gun. Or you go in and you're treating a, a medical issue. Or, you know, you just don't know. You go pull a car over and for speeding and they might be the nicest person in the world. Say, oh, I'm sorry, get a ticket. Or it could be a bunch of gangsters right. doing a bunch of gangster shit. Right, right, exactly. So it's... It's, it's not an envious position at all. And people, of course, you're going to get that small percentage of things that happen that are that are bad and they're horrible, like you said. And, and, yeah. and if, it, if somebody gets killed, it's just horrible. I mean, it, if it's an accident or on purpose or whatever, but that, that cop's got to live with it for the rest of their life if they do the wrong thing. Yeah. And then there's that very small percentage that just shouldn't be there in the first place. Yeah. It's tough, you know. It's uh, I went through a phase where I was almost... Almost went into law enforcement, and, I, and I, the only reason I'm not was just because of a slight medical problem. And that that was the only reason why. Really, so, I didn't know that. But looking oh. back at it now, I'm like, maybe I wasn't. Maybe I'm okay. So what I'm gonna try and find out now is, you know, what's the future hold for you? What do you want to do? That's a broad question. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I, I'm just leaving it wide open for you, John. Uh, I guess I don't have anything that's really like on my agenda right now. Um, I'm just sort of trying to. You know, live life. I've got some future plans, yeah. personal plans, and but yeah, just you know, keep up with the training as much as I can. I haven't been able to do as much lately just because of you know time and commitments. And, yeah, but it all it all sort of sorts itself out over time. You know, it's it's never something that I'm not going to do. Yeah, um, I think once it gets here, it gets its hooks in you. It does. It's hard to release. Yeah, it's, right? hard, it's hard to. Well, it keeps you sane. You go. Your training goes up and it goes down, and sometimes you're there a lot, and sometimes you just get what you can. And, you got got to do it. Yeah. Now this is going to be my final question to you, and I, you know you know me well enough now to know what I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, if you could fight anybody in a dream fight, who would it be, and what would the outcome be? What kind of fight? Any fight you want. Fictional or real? Fictional or real doesn't oh, matter. Man. Oh wow, that's good. All right, uh, it'd have to be some action star or something. I don't know. Like, well, no, I was going to say like you know. Bruce Willis in some movie, but I guess I probably want to be fighting with him rather than against yeah, him. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I yeah so. Bruce Willis does it. He's like the ultimate JKD guy. He, you don't know what style he does. You know, he can do use any weapon. Yeah. He killed a helicopter with a car once. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's almost as good as when, you know, James Bond shut down the helicopter with a 380. 
Wow, yeah, he did. What movie was that in? That was in the last Bond, wasn't it? It was, it was. Daniel Craig. Yeah, who's your favourite Bond? I gotta go Daniel Craig. You're liking the Ginger Bond, yeah? I do, yeah. Wow. It sounds weird when you say it like that, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people don't think, shit, yeah, he is Ginger, he is Ginger. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. I'm now trying to put put you on the spot. Who do you think my ideal, my ideal fight would be against? Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> uh, I'm after your job as well, Jimmy. Uh, that would be good. That would be good. I'm trying to think. Chuck Norris. No, that's not going to happen. I, I, there's no way I'm taking that fight. No way. No, what, what, Chuck Norris. What, yeah, but what about what about Chuck Norris? How many push-ups does Chuck Norris do? How many? All of them. <laughs> If there was anybody on the planet that you could train with, who would it be? Oh man, I'm just going to keep it simple because that's all. I, I mean, I have a very sort of limited scope of martial arts, right? I kind of know what I know, and that's really like the people that I train with now. Yeah, know, with, with Rick Fay and the people that have come in to train with them. I think if I could do anything, just as far as training, I would. I would just go to the academy and train with with Guru Dan. I mean, yeah, I haven't been out there, and I'd really like to. And that's probably um, if that's. If there's anything that I could do, I would just go out there for a while and train. Hey, and we and we were just with him earlier today. Right. John, I'm telling you, man, thanks so much for your time. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. You can listen to more shows like this on MixedMartialArts.com. Mixed Martial Arts is an abrupt audio production. Today's show was produced by Luke Berry. To find out more about podcasting or get help with your own podcasts, head over to abruptaudio.com forward slash start.